right here this morning. And as you came in, hopefully you saw the tables in the back and maybe have even had time to chat with some folks for a little bit. We want to encourage you to take full advantage of the people that are here. Uh, they are here specifically to assist you, to help answer questions, um, to help provide you with additional resources where needed. So not only do we have agencies represented, but as you'll discover in the breakout sessions and just interacting with people throughout the day, there are a lot of individuals here who have personal experience in orphan care in some way, whether that's through fostering, adopting, or just knowing how to navigate the system, so to speak. So please engage with other people as you're here today and we want you to walk away with as much knowledge and information as possible. That's one of the key purposes of this, is to put information in people's hands. A couple of housekeeping items that I want to go over with you. Um, The restrooms are in the lobby, just right off of the lobby, um, so look for that. There's a drinking fountain out there. There's also water in the back here, should you need that. And then our security team has asked me to announce if you would please only uh, exit and enter through these lobby doors here in the front. That would be very helpful to them. I think that about covers everything we need to do for intro. Um, again, we're very glad you're here, and if you will join me um, as we pray over this event today, and then I will introduce our first speaker. All right, please join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. Um, we thank you that you never leave us where we are. You are always with us. And Father, we thank you um, that you care deeply for orphans. You care deeply for children who need families and who need you ultimately. Father, I just pray for our time today. I pray that your spirit would be present. I pray that you would guide and direct our conversations. I pray that you would direct the appointments you have with us for the people that are here today. Father, open our hearts. Open our hearts the way your heart is open. We just ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to introduce our first speaker to you today, Jared Jenkins. Um, Jared, why don't you go ahead and come on up here? Um, Jared serves as the pastor of discipleship and missions here at Risen Life, and he and I have worked together. In fact, we're right across the hall from each other. Worked together for a number of years now, and... Uh, I consider Jared a friend. I've known him since before he was on staff here when he was involved in campus ministry at the University of Utah. And over those years, I have um, seen Jared and his wife Amy's heart for orphan care. And um, I am glad that you're here. I'm glad <laughs> you're going to talk to us this morning and share some of your own personal experience with people throughout the day. Jared and Amy have four children. Uh, they love outdoors things, all things outdoors. Jared graduated from the University of Utah. Um, he re 
received a Master of Divinity degree from Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, and he is now over his eyeballs in <laughs> Ph.D. work. Yeah. How's that? Is that, that that's sufficient? Good. That's, that's good. Um, <laughs> working on uh, a degree in Old Testament. Okay. And so very close to finishing that. And he's just going to come share a little bit with us this morning, okay? So yep. welcome, Jared. You say all that, and I have something to live up to, I guess. Yep, that's what's happening there. Yep. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm glad to be with you guys again this morning. Some of you that were here last year, I, I had the privilege of speaking, um, and I was I was surprised and honored that Kelsey would say, "Hey, why don't you come back again and and, and kind of kick off uh, our orphan care." conference and it's great to see a lot of new faces people that that were not here last year um, and so last year I, I shared a, a lot about my own personal journey me and Amy's journey to international adoption adopting our oldest son um, Bennett from Ethiopia uh, and this year I, I want to take us in a little different direction um, at risen life this year we've had several families since our adoption conference that have adopted from overseas, many that have gotten in the foster care program. And so as a church, we're kind of trying to understand what does it look like for us to be fully engaged in uh, orphan care? I mean, there's there's really a lot of different means, and we're going to look at um, some of that today. And so really, you know, the goal of this conference, I think, is for us to build community in Salt Lake City among believers that care about orphan care, uh, and then for, to, for us as individuals, kind of um, find our passion. Where do we fit in this whole thing? And so uh, that's kind of my, my goal for us today. Uh, and so we're going to do this. If you have a Bible, I, I hope you do, you may not, um, feel free to open it up to Exodus chapter 2, and we're going to look at um, the unlikely story of the adoption of Moses. So I've entitled this this morning, Infanticide, Hidden Figures, and the Unlikely Adoption of Mo. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to look at this and see, see what it tells us about orphan care. Um, and I think there's four things as we go through this. I want you to hear four things, okay? One is we're going to talk about the need for orphan care. We're going to talk about the heart of it. Where does it come from? We're going to talk about ways that we can be involved. Okay, this story shows us there's a lot of ways. And then finally, we're going to talk about God's sovereignty and his purposes uh, and having believers engage, engage in this. And so before I read Exodus chapter 2 to you, <coughs> um, let me kind of place this story. If you remember the story of Israel, right, the story of Jacob and his 12 sons moving to uh, Egypt, they came there at the invitation of Joseph, one of Jacob's son, and now they have been there for almost 400 years. And the, fa the latest Pharaoh has enslaved the Israelites and mistreated them greatly. And yet God has multiplied the Israelites, and Pharaoh's kind of jealous. And so he's come up with this plan to wipe them out by killing the firstborn male babies of the Hebrews. And so this brings us to the story of Moses' birth and adoption. And so let's look at uh, Exodus chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 122. 
and then read through verse 10 in chapter 2. Here's what it says. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. And the woman conceived and bore a son. And then she saw that he was a fine child, and she hid him three months. Now when she could hide him no longer, she took him and made a basket of bulrushes and dabbed it with bitumen and pitch, and she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and while her young women walked beside the river, she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Now, I think this is a great story of adoption. And maybe you haven't, haven't thought of this story in this way, um, but I think it really gives us a good picture of what it is to do, how, what we do as Christians to do orphan care. And so let's look at first at the need to do orphan care. And this is what we want to see, that orphan care is needed because we live in a broken world. Okay, that's why it's needed. In Exodus, it's because Pharaoh's decree for the ethnic infanticide of male Hebrew children babies that Moses and his mother are put in a vulnerable situation. That's why this is needed here, right? Without an immediate plan for access action, Moses is, it will be put to death and his mom will be in trouble for breaking the law if she keeps him. So they are in a tight place. What is Moses' mom to do? She needs help. Her son needs help. And I think this is an important place for us to start as we think about our involvement in orphan care, that the need is here because we live in a broken world. Okay? For most of the families in we encounter, we, we have to remember, this is not where they want to be. This was not their dream for their life. Sometimes we come in excited to be a part of what's going on because maybe for us it, it provides us for the chance to have a child that we couldn't have on our own. That was the case for me and my wife. Or maybe it provides a place of ministry for us as we pursue our, our calling in the Lord to serve. And, and those things bring great joy, and they should bring great joy. And yet we have to remember that for those abandoning a child, for those giving up a child, having a child removed from their family, the situation we're stepping into is a place of pain. It's not how things were meant to be. 
and families find themselves in places they never thought they would. Uh, this is near and dear to me in Amy's heart. Amy's grandmother, a woman who we both love and admire, she's now passed away uh, at the age of 12. Her family had four children, and they decided they couldn't take care of two of them. And so they took them to the local uh, orphan shelter and dropped them off, never to see her folks again. Right? This is, this is what we're talking about. Children becoming into vulnerable situations, families that are in distress. And so the best situation would be if these families got to stay together, if the children got to stay in healthy families. But it's not the case. And so as we engage in orphan care by whatever means, I want you to remember the plight of the families that you're dealing with that have been destroyed because of the sins of the world, right? Whether drug addiction, war, AIDS, financial inability, whatever case, God has called us to take compassion on these families. We often focus on the kids at risk, but I want you to broaden your perspective here that orphan care deals with the whole family and that we need not forget the parents. So some of you I know have had great relationships with your birth parents, and I think this is really, really a cool thing. I know some of the stories in this room, and it's been cool to see how some of you have fostered an ongoing relationship with the the families of these children have been able to share the gospel with them, been able to provide for them as the law will allow, been able to engage them and help the parents as well. And I think that's another part we need to consider as we think about orphan care. And so I think the story of Moses helps us remember why we need orphan care, why it comes about. In his case, it was because of infanticide impending on him for ours, it is many different reasons, and God has a heart for all of it. So now let's consider the, the heart of orphan care. In fact, we see this displayed in Pharaoh's daughter for the first time when she lays eyes on Moses. Here's what it is. Here's the heart. The orientation of the heart in orphan care must be compassion. This is where it starts. Exodus 2.6 says this. Pharaoh's daughter opens the basket which Moses is in, it says, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. And then it says, she took pity on him. In other translations, the word here is compassion. That Pharaoh's daughter had, had compassion on this crying baby. Who wouldn't have compassion on this baby? And I think this is a great picture as we start this morning. A desperate baby in a basket crying out for help. In fact, I think beyond Pharaoh's daughter, it's even implied as you think about this story, how Moses' mother and sister, because of their care and compassion for Moses, had come up with this outlandish plan to try to save his life. I think this gets at the very heart of orphan care. James 1.27 that you guys, I'm sure, know well, that religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. In other words, God is pleased when we have compassion on orphans and notice what we just talked about, and the widows. This is orphan care. To see the child and the parent 
to have compassion as God has had compassion on us and to do something about it. I can remember the first time I, I began to hear about adoption and orphan care and, and all the, the orphans in the world and the, the statistics will, will blow your mind, right? And I'm sure some of these guys at the agencies here today will give you plenty of those. But there are so many orphans, it's astounding. And it moved my heart to compassion. I looked at the numbers, I looked at my situation, and I thought, I can do something for these kids. And I'm sure many of you feel that. I want you to see that given the, the greater and greater number of people that are being displaced in our world, right now they're saying it is the most people ever that have been displaced from their situations of living there are more and more people in vulnerable situations and I want every time you see that picture of refugees in the boat trying to get to new lands I want you to just think for a second of Moses in the basket hoping for God's salvation hoping that somebody would show them compassion crying out for help as his family prays in hopes that someone will help them. But God calls us to have a heart of compassion for these people, the lowly and the lonely to be loved. I remember walking into the orphanage in Ethiopia um, to see Bennett for the first time. And, and, and of course, I was overwhelmed by that experience. But at the same time, I was overwhelmed by all the other kids I wasn't taking home. And just thinking, God, who is going to love these kids? Right? Who is going to have compassion on them? I want to take them all. But it starts one at a time, doing what we can, each one of us. Love the broken, the hurting, the abandoned, because we know Christ did the same for us. All right, now that we've got our affections going a little bit, maybe a few tears going, here, here's the good news, okay? In orphan care, there, there's something for every one of you to do, and this is cool because I think this story shows us the same. You can make the difference in a child's life or a parent's life. There is something for you to do, okay? So let's look at the ways to be involved. And so here, here it is. There's a part for everybody to play. If you are here today and God has laid orphan care on your heart, then there is a part for you to play. Okay, and I want you to see that. Here's a couple different parts we see in our story today. Look at Moses' sister. She's an advocate. Okay, look at this. The sister isn't the mom. She doesn't have the means or legal ability to take care of Moses. But do you know what she does? She fights for that baby. She fights for the well-being of her brother. She obviously worked with her mom on a plan to try to get Moses taken care of. And mom places the baby in the river, which is, by the way, what Pharaoh was asking her to do with the baby. Right? Throw the male babies in the river. But she is shrewd. And she's putting it in the reeds so it doesn't float away. And she's making it conspicuous so that Moses will be found. And the sister is assigned the job of watching over that baby. And then look, she is bold. She places herself within range of being able to advocate 
for baby Moses at the perfect moment when Pharaoh's daughter draws him out of the Nile. And listen, that is no small thing. We know that from the story of Joseph and his brothers that the the Hebrews weren't even allowed to eat with the Egyptians and, and much less over 400 years. They have no doubt gone down in stature, right? They have become slaves. And so the Hebrews are second class citizens to the Egyptians. And so Moses' sister is so bold to approach Pharaoh's daughter and say, I got a plan, right? Let me help you. Fueled by compassion for her brother, she fights for him. She she can't take him herself, but she can sure fight for him. And so some of you here today, I believe God is calling you to be an advocate for children that are vulnerable, children in need, families that are in tough situations. You can be an advocate for them. I want you to see that. God has equipped you to be the advocate, to be their voice in their time of need. And I'm thankful for people like Kelsey and others here that have helped to organize this conference to help us think about orphan care, foster care, adoption. They're being advocates. They're saying there's kids out there that need help, and we have the resources to help them. And so she's doing a great job advocating for kids in need. And listen, there's many more ways to do this. You, you know, being an advocate for for groups or ways of caring for children internationally. You can vote in ways that help provide for vulnerable children. You can help raise awareness in your church in whatever setting God has placed you in. You can help birth moms figure out the foster care systems and and adoption care systems where they are unable and don't have the means or feel like they have no voice. You can be their advocate. The advocate steps in and fights for the well-being of a vulnerable child. And so there are many ways to be an advocate. I hope, I hope that you will learn about some of those today as you go into your different sessions. And I think seeing his sister as an advocate is also helpful to us because some of us want to foster. We want to adopt, and yet it's just not the right time. Or maybe the time has gone past. We're in a stage of life where we can't bring people into our home. But God is saying, no, you can still be involved. You can be an advocate. So don't get frustrated with yourself if you don't have the means or the times to bring a child into your house. Because we need advocates in our churches and in our city and working alongside the state and and government entities to help promote the well-being of kids that are in danger. So being an advocate is part of God's plan for orphan care. Is God calling you to be an advocate? Now let's look at this. Look at Pharaoh's uh, daughter and her role in Moses' adoption. And the first thing I want you to see is that Pharaoh's daughter has the means and the position to adopt Moses. Okay? She doesn't care about the laws. (laughs) She's driven out of compassion. She knows that she is in a position where the laws don't apply to her because she's Pharaoh's daughter. Now listen, I'm not advocating that you break the law, okay? In fact, you won't foster a kid and you will not adopt a child if you don't follow the law. 
In fact, our, our friend from Mylar Law here can help you understand that very clearly. I don't know where he went. Um, so I'm not advocating that you break the law, but what I want you to see here is that Pharaoh's daughter was in the position and had the means to, to adopt a child, okay? Um, and we know this because she was, as it says, Pharaoh's daughter, and she's very quick, right? She doesn't bat an eye for saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to provide for this baby. In fact, I'm going to sign somebody, I'm going to pay somebody to be the wet nurse for this baby, right? She's got the means. Furthermore, we see she has a plan that many years later, Moses will come into her family as her son. And so I think this is an important question we have to ask ourselves when we engage in foster care, particularly if we're desiring to foster or foster to adopt or adopt, is has God given you the means to do this? Okay, This is a really important question, and one we have to answer honestly. Okay, We need to look at our situation honestly. Do you have the time and the ability to wade through the paperwork, the legal red tape, to actually see a child placed in your home? It takes a lot of work. It's a lot of paperwork, and it's frustrating. Do you have the financial means to appropriately not only pay all the fees and do all the legal paperwork, then to actually take care of another child in your family? They don't need to go from a bad situation to another bad situation. Okay? And do you have the emotional and spiritual bandwidth to ride this roller coaster of emotion in the process of parenting this child over the next couple of years? This is a big thing. And I think God asks us to ask ourselves honestly, do I have the means and the ability to take care of this? Now, here's the cool thing. The answer to that question is probably always going to be no. <laughs> It's kind of like when you, if you've had a bi child biologically, there's no good time to have a baby, right? Some of this timing is God's timing. And the same thing is with orphan care. The cool thing is that God can provide what you lack, okay? We have to be honest with ourselves, and yet there are certain things that God can provide for us if we have the heart uh, and the intention to do this, and God has laid it on our heart. In fact, when Amy and me were first considering adoption, we looked at our finances, and, and uh, I, me and her had both given up really good jobs to go to seminary, and I was working just an hourly wage job, and we said, there is no way we can pay for this. There's no way. In fact, the first time me and Amy actually sat down with it, I ended the conversation by saying, Amy, there's no way. We don't have any money. And through the encouragement of friends at church and other people, they said, no, no, you're, you're, you're missing the big picture here. God can provide. If he has laid this on your heart, he can provide. And so we began to look at the agencies that help and the friends that are willing to donate and all this sort of thing. And at the end of the day, God provided, right? He helped us take care of what he had laid on our heart. And so as we look at Pharaoh's daughter, we ask ourselves, do we have the means and is God calling us? If we have the means, is he calling us to foster or adopt? Finally, let's look at the mother's role here because I think this is just a great twist in this story of Moses' adoption. 
says that the mother gets to serve in a supporting role. Now look at this. Not only does Moses find a new home with Pharaoh's daughter, but his own mother gets to be his nursemaid and gets paid to do it. That's amazing. I have friends in California that have adopted several special needs children out of the foster care system. And it's been so cool to see how they are getting a stipend from the government to take care of these children. That's amazing. That is God's good hand working with this. This is what happens when God gets involved, and we're going to talk about that in one second. But I want you to see that Moses' mom gets to play a supporting role in this picture of adoption. She's not, all, uh, she's not the one adopting Moses, but she's helping and supporting in the process. I've already said that if God has called you to be a part of orphan care, then there's a place for you to serve. And so we need people that want to help, those that have the time, the means, the emotional makeup to foster and to adopt. So I'd ask you, is God calling you now today to be someone to support somebody that's fostering and adopting? Okay. And what does this look like? Sometimes it's a very active role, like like uh, Moses' mom. She gets to serve as a wet nurse. Sometimes it's simple as a financial role of just giving to somebody who's adopting. Like I said, me and my wife, we would not have been able to do this without people that gave of their money to what we were doing. They were supporting us. And if you fostered or adopted, sometimes it looks like regularly meeting with another couple that's thinking about doing this, supporting them through the process, helping them make the decisions along the way. Sometimes it's just being a good friend and, and crying and rejoicing with people at the ups and the downs of going through the process. Sometimes it's bringing food, cleaning their house, and babysitting so the parents can go on a date. All these ways that we can just support, right? If God has not allowing you to foster, to adopt, at this time, maybe he's calling you to be a supporting person. And there's a part you can play in orphan care as we look at the different roles. The question is, how has God equipped you and how is he calling you today to be a part of the good work now? Now, that's a little bit about the different roles we can play. And I, I want to come down to this last one here because I want to consider for just a moment um, what is God's role in orphan care? And I think because the story of Moses teaches us about God's sovereignty in this process. Okay, look at this. God's sovereignty. We, we like the story of Moses because being on the far side of this story, being New Testament believers, we see that this was what God was going to do with Moses, right? That God was going to raise him up to lead Israel out of slavery, out of Egypt, to God's promised land. And this helps us see several things about God's sovereignty as we consider orphan care. Number one, notice that God works through many different people. Okay, We've said there's a place for everything. God is working through so many people. The advocate is not better than the adoptive parent nor the supporting mother. They all played a part in what God was doing in the life of Moses for a bigger purpose. And I want you to see that it takes many different people, lots of believers in the Salt Lake Valley to do orphan care well. You are all needed, and God has a part for you to play. 
Take the community to care for kids in need. And then notice this too. I really like this too because sometimes we forget this as Christians. Kind of get in our homeschooling, make our own soap, grind your own wheat situations. And we forget this aspect of God's sovereignty that God can work through secular systems and people to accomplish his purposes. Okay, I want you to see that in the story of Moses' adoption. Pharaoh is not a follower of Yahweh, but God uses his daughter to accomplish his purposes for Moses. I can remember this as we were going through the adoption process. You know, we, I mean, when you, when you adopt internationally, you go through so many secular agencies, it's ridiculous, okay? Uh, we had the home study group and the state government and the U.S. government and the Ethiopian government and lawyers in Ethiopia and then whatever the Hague wants to do, okay? There's all these systems in place. And yet God is weaving his plan for that child through it all. And so as we went to Ethiopia and, and questioned the legal system and questioned the flow of money, right, we could realize that God was working through secular and even broken systems to work his purposes for a child. That is why we have state and lo other local agencies here today, because we believe they are part of God's plan for the care of children in need in this state and around the world. And we cannot forget that as believers. As Christians, we have to boldly work in the context of a secular world, believing that God is accomplishing his purposes even there. And we can be shrewd and bold like Moses' sister and mom trusting God's plan through it all and so given the impossible web that many different people are involved in the regulations it leads me to affirm that the kids we are dealing with are special in God's eyes and I want you to see this these are special children as we have said Moses was a special child you know that if you know your Bible stories God worked an amazing set of circumstances in his life to save him because God had a special purpose for Moses. And sometimes we can get down about all the hardships that these kids face early in life. But let me tell you, look at the life of Moses. It was these hardships, these unique circumstances that qualified him to be the one to have interactions with Pharaoh himself and to lead Israel out of Egypt. If he hadn't been adopted into Pharaoh's household, he never could have done that. Don't miss the hardship of the kids you are working with as an unfortunate series of events, but see these kids as special children that are being prepared to have the gospel uniquely displayed in their life. One of the greatest hopes of the gospel is that through the cross, our worst moment can be used of God to prepare us to display the gospel to the world. But finally, I want you to see this. The, the, the story of a Moses leads us to the ultimate purpose of or orphan care, and I, and I think this is what it is. For orphan care for Christians, the ultimate purpose is to display the gospel to a broken world. Okay, I don't want you to miss that. 
Look back at Exodus 2.10. It says this. When the child grew older, she, Moses' mom, the wet nurse, brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he, Moses, became her son. Those are sweet words. She named him Moses because she said this, I drew him out of the water. And I don't want you to miss significance of this. Moses himself was led through the deadly waters of the Nile to salvation. In his case of adoption, going from a, a vulnerable baby at risk of being killed to living in a secure family. And this is all to picture and point to the fact that God would lead the people of Israel once again through the waters of the Red Sea from sure death in the face of the Egyptian army through the uplifted hands of Moses and the power of God and work in him. Moses' adoption is to proclaim the very message of the gospel in his own life, in his own name, that would later be the process of salvation for the people of Israel, that our God saves, that he can step into impossible, deadly situations and bring life. He is the one that draws each and every one of us out of the chaos of our world and our sin and places us in his family. Holy, righteous, forgiven with a new inheritance of eternal life. Paul likens our own salvation to adoption in Ephesians 1, 4 through 7. And he says, in love, he, God, predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. In him we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. It means that Christ had compassion on us when we were spiritual orphans. He came and died and paid the price for our sin that separated us from the Father. And when we confess him as Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, we move from being spiritual orphans to being adopted sons of the king. We, like Moses, have been plucked from the waters of chaos and placed in the home of a king. Life of care is meant to picture the gospel. And it can be done with anyone with a compassion for kids in need. But it is best done when it displays the gospel. So we've looked at the, at the need. We live in a broken world, right? There are people in situations they never thought they'd find themselves in. And then we've seen the heart having compassion toward these people. And we've seen that it takes lots of us, many of us, different people enacting different ways to care for these kids. And yet we remember that God is in control of the whole thing because he wants to picture the gospel to the world. So the question is, where is God calling you to be involved in orphan care today? Do you have a place? I hope God is speaking to you this morning, and I pray that he does the rest of our time today, and that he will show you where you can be involved, what, how he has gifted you to be involved, and how to get started. So let's enjoy today and discover what God has for us as we go into our next session. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for all of these folks here this morning that care, have been moved by compassion about those in need. God, I pray that you would help them to find their place today where you are calling them 
to serve orphans and widows in their need. God, may we do this out of a heart of compassion, of love, because we know what it is to be loved when we were not yours. And so, God, may we go forward and display the gospel to the world as we care for kids in need. May you bless this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jared. We appreciate that. Uh, for the call for each of us to consider how we can be, should be involved in caring. And the reminder of God's compassion towards us that then we can go out as believers and share that compassion with others. And in doing that, we share the gospel. So thank you for those words to us this morning. We're now at the time where we're going to head out to our first breakout session. And I those are in your program. You should have one on the table in front of you. Uh, breakout sessions number one are listed on page two of the program. And I'm just going to briefly go over them. Um, in room 105, we have Jill Wiggins, Doug and Jessica Grennan, and Howie from Mylar Law. If you guys are in the room, would you stand up just so people can see who you are? And they are going to talk about private domestic adoption, okay? And then in room 107, we have David and Jackie Aspig. I think they've snuck out to, oh, there's David there, to get uh, set up. And they're going to talk about the journey into international adoption, which they are fresh off of. So they'll have lots of great information for you. And then room 108, Amy King. Is Amy in here? Yeah. Uh, Amy is going to be talking about loving orphans in every season of life. And I love that. Um, whatever your age or stage or circumstance in life, there's a place for you. So those breakout sessions, you're going to go back out into the lobby, make a left, go down the long hallway, and you will see those notified. Jackie. Oh. Well, somebody share my. Here we go. I've, ta I've taken my program apart. Sorry about that. Uh, Randall and Annie Johnson, Mitch and Jamie Maurer. Are you guys in the room? Okay, if you'll stand up so people can see who you are. I apologize for that. Uh, they're going to be speaking to the joy and heartache of fostering and adopting teens. All right. So you all head out to your breakout session of choice. We're going to meet... Um, back in this room at 11.15 where we will begin our panel discussion and Q&A. All right, enjoy. Enjoy.